Hello again, Pastor Deborah here, and this is another global teleministry series that we're working on. And this one is called The Veil of Darkness, the foreskin that covers the spirit. We're going to start back with the very beginning where it fell. When the spirit disobeyed its father when Adam followed his woman and ate of the tree the Holy Spirit left and what happened is the spirit fell into darkness got covered by the flesh by its appetites now it can only learn either dark spiritual knowledge from that kingdom or through the five senses of the eyes, the ears, the tongue, the nose, the touch, the flesh. We see it representative in the ancient uh, temple that Moses built. The spirit was hiding in the Holy of Holies. And there was a curtain there. Nobody could go in. The flesh covered the spirit completely. They became one and married. And the spirit just was the tail. It no longer had its spiritual kingship and rulership of anything. Not even of itself. It could not control its own physical body anymore. It could not speak to animals. It could not give decrees and righteousness. It sank to deep mud and dust and earth. The veil of flesh was thick and it was gross and it covered it completely there was no light that could come in the soul was not going to allow any light to penetrate all the experiences the spirit had were what the soul had the two were one whatever the soul felt the spirit felt now at the same time all that's going on the king of the kingdom of darkness of ignorance he was there he was talking to nourishing this little spirit feeding it bitter waters and poison defiled food that would not help it grow it ate poisonous food lies and deceptions and it saw creatures taskmasters powerful whips and chains it was a human trafficked slave it was forced to have sex with everything it was forced to kill and murder other humans it was forced to lay down next to Satan himself it lived in darkness and ignorance it was drugged oh you don't think a spirit could take drugs there are spiritual drugs believe me there's plants in there. The spirit could become drunk. And it could become high. Oh yeah. The spirit. But all its drugs were of the darkness. The only food it could eat were lies. Maggots. And demons were its only strength. This little spirit was full of shame was a heavy spirit heaviness and grief and depression was always on it 
was always mourning. It cried tears, but it had no tears. Its heart was broken and ached for something it did not know what. Oh, the spirit had a life. And it had gifts that it was given it, but it doesn't know how. It would create worlds, sort of hypnotize itself and go somewhere. It could leave its body. Do you know how that started in Satanism? What they do with a brand new little baby is they would give it some drugs and the heart would stop. The demonics knew that it, once the heart stopped, the spirit starts leaving. So the spirit would start leaving, then they'd shock it back. So they got the spirit used to leaving its body. Then as it grew as a child, they forced it out through training. And they'd go into other bodies, and they'd play. They'd go into animals. Or they'd go into trees. Or they'd just travel around. They learned how to be in other people's bodies. And do whatever they wanted to do. A lot of times we hear about this when I would like to use O.J. Simpson because when he got arrested for killing his wife, he said, I didn't do it. Charlie did it. And he was right. Charlie was either another human spirit or a disassociative identity part. There's plenty of this where we hear about this. I had to learn that in the spirit world, in the world of darkness, these spirits were alive. But they were dead to light. They were dead to true love and truth. They were alive. They were doing things. And all their companions were all the same, dead. And there was no love for anybody. Because you wanted to survive. So you would do anything and kill anybody. And if you were told to, uh, one of the great punishments that you learned was a deprivation tank. If you messed up and didn't finish your assignment... They would take you and put you in a tank of salt water and they would destroy you. You didn't know anything. Another is they would take you and put you in a body and they would burn the body and your spirit would hear it. And feel it. Spiritual world was just as tough and nasty as the earthly world. There were wars between the spiritual clans. There was war. Between who was to sit on the first seat or the second seat. They would even start changing the appearance. Whatever it took to move up. Competition was a part of it. In the world of darkness we see it played out in sports. Who's going to be the king? The Super Bowl champ. Competition. Among the spirits. Who's going to make the most money? Have the most power? Same thing in the spirit. Well, what the power meant there was demons. There's no money in the spirit. They use gold and money to blackmail people. To uh, live in beautiful houses. But the spirit, its power source are demonics. And the more demonics you have that are powerful, the better you are. There was competitions in satanic meetings and witchcraft meetings. They would do like jousting. It would be two people. And whoever won got that. Uh, losers, demonics. Also, I learned that uh, from Amanda, when she was getting ready, she was about 16, her grandmother, who was in a nursing home, which I actually met, it was time for her to let go of most of her demons, except the ones who were going to kill her, and pass them on to Amanda, who was supposed to be a great high queen. 
and they had a competition. And of course, Grandma's spirit, who was old and tired, and really was told to give them up, she gave them up to Amanda. Uh, there's a lot of competition between uh, witches to who's going to be the high priestess, and they will do all kinds of spiritual uh, jousting competitions. Who can put who up against the wall? Who can use their demons? It's sort of like the stock market. Whoever can make the best deals, get the most power, you sit on the high place. So a lot of this it was going on. I knew nothing about it. And I learned that this veil of flesh was sort of a protection for them, spiritually. They went out and in the regular world, uh, this veil of flesh, uh, they were doctors and lawyers and policemen and they were real estate people and school teachers they were surgeons and they were veterinarians they were funeral people they were politicians and leaders scientists in the flesh but spiritually they were something else and that was hard for me because uh, I wasn't used to that I was used to seeing the flesh the veil and that's who you were but I had to learn there were two worlds going on inside of everybody. The world you see of a politician and that you vote for is not the real person. The real spiritual person is behind it. And they only are either serving the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. They're either serving the king of darkness in his ways or the king of light in his ways. There's no choice because everybody's going to serve somebody. And the higher up you go, the more servants you have. And the people that you will, uh, they will do whatever you tell them. This young precious candy who didn't want to be a queen, that she'd have people come to them and ask them, what do you do? If she gave an order that the meetings were to be canceled, they were canceled. If she gave an order that somebody was to die, they were dead. There was protection for the leaders. We see that. Everybody asked the same thing. How come certain people have better insurance and they never seem to have troubles? And the rest of society has a mess. Because they got some protection from the kingdom of darkness that you don't have. So in this veil of flesh, the soul is completely ruling the whole system. He's like a guy that lives on a submarine all by himself. The only way out and to see what's going on is the periscope. And that is his five senses. And this, whatever happens to through and with the five senses determines the experiences, the concepts, and ideas of the soul. And the soul is a bully, even to the spirit that's there. Now, if the spirit's there and it has lots of demonics in it, the strength for the spirit actually comes from the demonics. And they will use the soul, the demons will, to live the life so that you will never suspect them of what they're really doing. Also in this world of the veil of the flesh that covers the spirit, there's all kinds of things going on. I had to learn, I had to watch ducks. I had to see how light would be repelled. Sort of like an umbrella, it repels the water keeps the sun out if you're in countries where it's very hot it was a form of protection but it was also slavery 
and it was also a prison. There were chains, and there was the eyes uh, couldn't see anything but darkness and lies, and we see it all the time. How can these people think a certain way? Because they're living by their senses and out of their darkness of their spirit. Their spirit is usually very weak. Sometimes they are uh, used, the spirit is threatened. Uh, tell my another story here. Uh, I had a pastor of a church. He had been in the Navy, I think. And he was teaching error. And he was going against me to protect Amanda. And I asked him, well, how did you get like this to protect this satanic? He said, it's a long story. So even what will happen is some people who have issues in their life maybe said something like, I'll do whatever it takes to have whatever I want. Oh, Satan goes, I got gotcha. you. And they will come against a fellow believer. They will come against other people. They will. We see it all the time. They're out on Twitter. They're angry. People are asking why does certain people hate other people? Why is there such viciousness? Some people are the attackers. They are the frontline guards. They are protecting what's behind them. They are shielding what's behind them. They've been paid tremendous amount of money if they will do the protection. Keep at bay light. So you have to understand war and tactics. You have to understand and study the five senses. You have to know how the eyes work, how the mind retains memories, how the voice speaks out, what the body is, because that helps you to understand the spirit that's inside. Then you must study ignorance. And you must see it in the natural. We always ask, how come some people just, their brains don't develop? They seem ignorant. They can't read or write. Or they just don't think in math and science. And they uh, appear to be having difficulties understanding complex things. We learn that through ignorance, and uh, they even now know if you're not read to, there's not taught to, the neurons up here in the biological brain do not get created. If there are drugs and alcohol in the womb when the baby is being uh, developing, if there's just sugar and stuff, the biological brain is deformed. If there's sicknesses and illnesses, fevers, and viruses, so there's a lot coming against the biological brain. If the biological brain, or if there's, like when Helen Keller said, she got a fever. When she was over with, she could not hear, so she could get no auditory senses in. She could not see. She could not get any vision. Therefore, she could not learn or uh, speak. And she sunk into a world of deafness and darkness, frustrated, great thing, the miracle worker with Anne Bancroft and Patty Duke to watch. That is what darkness is to the spirit. And that's what darkness, ignorance, lack of light looks like to the human biological brain. But it took the love of a teacher 
and the determination not to pity the child, but to help it to break through and get that light there. Because Annie knew that there was somebody in there locked. And once it could come alive and it had help, it would learn. So what you learn is when the veil of darkness comes on the spirit, it's coming out of the soul. And they are married. They're one. And until you have a Hebrews 4.12 experience where the word of God and light comes in as a scalpel. We see this in the Old Testament when they would cut the sacrifice apart, the sinews, the bones, and they would sacrifice it. This is what Hebrews 4.12, it must separate the spirit and the soul. It must cut off as in as circumcision the foreskin that's covering it. So what happens is you study uh, circumcision, you study sacrifices, you study veils. Uh, you even see that in the Islamic culture where the female is wearing the veils over their bodies and their head. They're covering up and they are not receiving and nor can they interact appropriately with anybody else. Now, they do that for religious and cultural reasons. But spiritually, that is what um, the spirit looks like. A dark veil, not even completely covers the body. Sort of like if you put a, the ancient Egyptians did a mummy. That's what the spirit is encased in. A black, mummified casing of flesh. And when you have to start studying the flesh, what is that? The flesh is considered the earthly body with all of its appetites and five senses. It's also considered an absence of light. Uh, it's connected to the earthly, natural world, not the spiritual world. But inside that veil of the foreskin, there is a spirit in there that is alive. And it has a smoking candle wick. It needs relighting. And it needs help. It lives in fear and torment. It is human. It is sexually and spiritually trafficked. It is abused. It is carrying a spirit of heaviness and mourning. It is spiritually deaf, dumb, and blind, and lame. The only thing it can see and hear are demonics and other dark human spirits. It's a creature of the night, the blackness. But there is always something deep inside, a little thought, a cry of help, it can't say it, doesn't even know what it is, but it's there. And this heavenly Father and this King of Light that I serve has heard it. So he sends me in to reach it. And I go in the power of Christ, in the power of the Spirit of Light itself. I go in with angels if necessary. I'm a spiritual child of the light.
Now, sometimes I have to be very quiet, not very bright. That's where a lot of pastors are just too loud. They're too brazen, and they think if they yell at you and stuff that you'll hear it. They don't have a problem. The soul doesn't have a problem hearing. It is a bully. If you want to study bullying from the weak to the about how it gets bullied, from a strong man to the weak, look at the soul bullying the spirit. I tell people that all the time. My story is with Amanda again. I had taken her to a 7-Eleven store, and her physical body went inside to get some cigarettes. Her spirit came back to me and said, if she keeps smoking and doing drugs and having sex, we're going to die. I go, yes, sweetie, you are. Well, what do I do? I said, honey, you have to rise up. You, the spirit, you believe in God. Rise up and tell that other part of you, the soul, your flesh, we ain't going to do that anymore. No more drugs, no more cigarette smoking. And the spirit said, if I do that, I will get in trouble. So in the spirit realm, the little spirit is bullied, threatened, intimidated. It does things it does not want to do, but it wants to live and survive. And it doesn't know how to do it. It needs counsel and wisdom from an older person who has lots of light. I mean, you can have a lot of light and truth, but if you don't know how to wield it in wisdom and compassion and love, you won't get anywhere. One of the best movies to watch in that is The Matrix. And study Morpheus. And what does he tell Neil while they're in the spirit, in the darkness, in the matrix? You got one that's free, Morpheus, and Neil who's still plugged up, spirit to spirit. And he tells him that this matrix, this darkness, is a part of his life. It's all around him. Everywhere he goes, no, he doesn't understand it, and neither will the spirit. If you watch that over and over again and listen, it's everywhere. He says, I can't really tell you what it is. It's like I can't really tell the people what the darkness is and how deep you're connected to it, and and you have to learn slowly. And he said, but if you take this red pill, you'll learn how deep this goes. But all I'm offering you is truth. So he took the red pill. He don't know what it means, and most spirits won't know what the red pill means. The red, red pill actually symbolizes the blood of Christ, getting saved, born again, uh, getting cut free of the matrix, the spirit of control. So he gets out, and the first thing he does is he says, Am I dead? He goes, No, sweetie, far from it. My eyes hurt. He said, You've never used them. So most spirits have never used their eyes in the light. It hurts. And his muscles had to all be rebuilt. He had never used them. Now, he didn't know that. And then when he got a little better, and he was on the Nebuchadnezzar, Morpheus takes him into a program. He starts talking to him and showing him what the matrix was and how it was pulled over his mind to make him believe something that wasn't real. That's what darkness is. It's a matrix of control. It's a world that is pulled over, the world of the flesh, the natural world, that is pulled over the spirit to make the spirit believe that that's the real world when it's not. And so 
Neil begins to learn what really happened, the war. And that even the chair, and what has he said to you? When you think, you look at something, it's just a digital image. When I look out my window right now, that tree out there is a digital image to my eyes. It is not real. The real is the spiritual. This earthly world is temporary. We know we can cut a tree, burn it, it's gone. It's like a picture. And Neo struggled to understand that everything he believed that was real, his identity, where he ate, where he worked, was all an illusion in the matrix, in the kingdom of darkness, in that blackness with no light. And he was even told by Trinity that that world, that world of darkness, that matrix, It cannot tell you who you really are. So the spirit does not know. And now all of a sudden this two worlds are clashing. The world he thought was real. The world that his body told him was real. When you take the red pill, it's like you're having a circumcision. A Hebrews 4.12. And you have to go just like Neo did. You have to learn slowly what is real and what was created for you to be real and then Neo had to learn about the agents and the programmers of this program and what their purpose was to enslave humanity to make them nothing more than a source of energy for their life the demons now have to use our spirit for everything they want here on planet earth they are not legal spiritual entities the only legal spirit on planet earth is a human spirit inside that came with a dirt body the demonics are just spirits so to be legal according to those laws they have to be inside the spirit inside a dirt body to speak and act and do But they must use the spirit that's in darkness for their purposes. And the little spirit has no weakness. It is weak, excuse me. Has no strength except what comes from the demons. It has no knowledge except what it is fed by them. So the spirit is like Neo living in a matrix connected to demonic spirits who supply it with its own concepts and ideas of who it is and what it's to do. And the whole world is just created in darkness, just like the Matrix was for Neo. And then Neo had to learn a valuable lesson about the lady in the red dress. They went into a program, and Morpheus started teaching him that all these people you see here, they are the digital images of real people so when I'm in the spiritual world and I see a human spirit in the darkness I know there is a physical body to it somewhere and Neil was told that as long as they are hooked up to the matrix and I know as long as they are still hooked up to their soul without a Hebrews 4.12 experience not a child of the light, still in the darkness. They are my enemy. 
They will serve Satan and the agents. That's what Neo learned. Even though you want to help them sometimes, they're coming after me. And they move all around just like the agents do. They can be anybody. Like I told, I think, somebody in the store. They can get anybody they want. I used to have to uh, do some certain prayers because some of these people did bad things and they'd get arrested. And they'd go into jail. But they didn't arrest the spirit. Because that's a spiritual arrest. The biological body's in prison, but not their spirit. So their spirit would leave their body, go into another human spirit, and keep doing what they're doing. So I had to learn how to bind and arrest human spirits and keep their spirit in prison, just like their physical body was. So now you can see why they want to let people out of prison. They want their spirits doing what they're doing. So I had to watch the matrix over and over, write down every word, listen, watch it again and again and listen. And God was using it to show me the kingdom of darkness and how it was related to the matrix, how the agents were like demonic spirits and what they wanted to do and how they were using and abusing the minds and the spirits of humans for their purposes. Excellent excellent stuff but you have to study you have to be willing to look go slow not just be entertained and think it's a great fight movie and love Neil you have to be willing to be a truth seeker to see light revealed to you whoops I'm having trouble today I'm watching a cat outside watching some neighbors with some septic tanks the sun is shining trying to get through my third tape here today and I keep bonking this thing. So I had to learn about this veil of flesh, the matrix. It was a control system. The spirit knew nothing about it. It was supposed to be the helpmate. And how the system was supposed to work is the spirit, with the Holy Spirit in it, was to have light, and wisdom, and knowledge from the kingdom of heaven. And that spirit was to grow and mature into a rightly and righteous, glorious, majestic king on earth and rule first its system of soul, the helpmate, all of its feelings and emotions and its physical appetites and control itself. Then it would learn about nature and it would learn about the demonics. And then what would happen is it could then take its rightful place on planet earth. There is war down here. There is an enemy. But this enemy, as we study, when we study the drug cartels, there's drugs for the spirit, believe me. Now, it's not your normal earthly drugs, but there are spiritual opioids, cocaine, marijuana, alcohol. There are spiritual rapes, human trafficking, forced labor there are uh, all kinds of punishment and torture for the spirit there are taskmasters and slaves there's competition and wars for the spirit there are people that are trying to get all the power they can get spiritually why? because they want to sit in the number one spot why? 
Well, then they're hoping that their physical body and their spirit, they'll be safe. So all that's going on. So I had to learn about this veil of flesh, this darkness that covered the spirit. I had to be able to look up what is the lust of the eyes. It's when your eyes would look at a thing, and you would call it eye candy. Would look at another thing and say, oh, how beautiful. Where did that come from? The garden. One woman looked at this fruit. Oh, it's a pretty shining fruit. You could look at gold. If you were a man, you could look at a child or a woman. So, oh, what a beautiful body. If you were a female, you could look at a man who was chiseled and shaved. Oh, eye candy. Lust of the eyes. I want that. That looks good to me. I want to taste it and touch it. My eyes are lusting something I want what's lust of the flesh I want my body to feel good and pleasurable I wear clothes I want you to enjoy me I want to feel satisfied I want my hunger whatever that is I want somebody to love me I want to feel pleasure I don't want to feel pain I want my body to feel beautiful and gorgeous Makes me feel good. That's the lust of the flesh. The pride of life. I want to be wise. I want to be smart. I want to be rich. I want people to bow down to me. I want to be internationally known. I want to rule and be a billionaire. I want to have this mansion. I want to be Hollywood royalty. I can't marry it. And even if I do marry it, that's not what I want. That's not real glamour. I want Hollywood royalty. I want an Academy Award. I want money, money, power, places. I don't want to live a normal life. I want what you have. Oh, well, I'm going to break in your car. I'm going to break into your house. I'm going to steal money from you. I want what you have. That's the pride of life. And I'm going to think I'm the greatest thing there ever was because I did that. It's a violence against another thing. It's taking without asking. It's saying, you got something that I want. And I'm going to take it. You become violent on your, in, your, in your emotions. Anger. Willing to kill. And murder. And steal. That is what the flesh is. And the flesh is controlled by the body here is all a physical organ. It all feels pain or pleasure. Your eyes see something. The brain thinks. Uh, fear comes. Life comes. Safety comes. Oh, the tongue, it has a lot of taste. It wants to taste sugar. Oh, it wants to. It want, the body wants to feel that peace from the alcohol and the drugs. It has no peace of its own. It wants to feel powerful and it wants to feel at peace through the lust of the flesh through the biological five senses they're all working all the time even the ears the body has its own appetites we see that in Genesis where this woman's looking at this fruit she hears her through a serpent but it can be your conscience is talking to you well that's not going to hurt you you can eat that. It tastes good. Well, you have rights. You deserve this. 
Look how pretty it is. It probably tastes real good. That's all going on. So the spirit has the same thing. The problem is, it's all done spiritually. And the spirit is connected, hidden, entrapped, encased in this veil of flesh. So this veil of flesh has to be circumcised. We see that in males. It has to come off. And Hebrews 4.12 is the spiritual circumcision for it. It is painful. Sinews have to be cut. The bonds, the soul bonds to the flesh. And the flesh, boy, it will rise up and be angry. And some will say, you ain't acting like yourself anymore. Your family won't like you. Something will happen to you in the spirit world. You go off the grid, sort of like Neo did. You get unplugged from the flesh. Light can start coming back in. Truth can start entering slowly. Love can start coming back in. Oh, there's wars, as you saw with Neil. He would go back into the matrix, but he had to get tough. He had to slowly. He had to be mentored and tutored. He had to have love in his life. He had to have a purpose. And Morpheus had to keep working with him. Slowly, he started to believe. Believing doesn't happen instantly. It comes slowly with experience. You have to hear that you have a purpose. Your spirit has a purpose, not what it's been. Then once you get there, you can go back. And you can help other precious people in the matrix to come out. And when you get fully mature, you see that in you. You're ready to lay your life down to save others. Because sometimes that's the only way you can do it. And we learned that about a precious young man named Jesus. He just did it. We remind ourselves. He laid on the grenade. Went to the cross. He said, I finished. Now, there is a punishment that must be taken care of. Price must be paid for these precious spirits that are in the flesh. They cannot pay it themselves. They're not holy and righteous. But I am. I'll take all their ick in me. And I'll go to the cross. And I'll go into hell and be punished. But because I didn't do it. I'll come on out. And I'll tell you a story. How I was able to teach that. Um, it's on the internet. It's called. On the website. Excuse me. Called I Will Bear Your Burdens. As Christ Jesus bore them from me. There was this young man. His name was Gavin. He was sold by his mother. To a high priest Isaac. And he was raised up. In child pornography. From an early child. He became the playmate of Hans. I think I've told you about Hans. Well he became a heroin addict. And. um, What happened was. He didn't want to be one anymore. But he couldn't stop. So. I asked him, I said, that's no problem, I'll help you. So I took Hans, excuse me, I took Gavin, spiritually, to the throne room. There was a young man there, I don't know if I've told you his story, named Owl, who also had been a drug addict. And I put little baby Gavin into uh, Owl's arms in the throne room. And through the love this young man had, Owl, who's dead now, God delivered Gavin of his addiction heroin because his life had been so abusive still was 
Okay, so he came back. Then what happened is this Isaac guy, he was a real bad dude, but he, he's in heaven now. He came one night with, and he raped Gavin with a steel rod. He was used to, Gavin was used to being a child pornography for a satanic high priest, playmate and friend to Hans. Well, Isaac came, he was mad because he had gotten off drugs and he didn't want to have this relationship spiritually with this Isaac anymore. Gavin was a tough little one. So what happened was, Isaac came along with a steel rod, they were living, I think, in Houston, Texas, and raped him, sodomized him with the steel rod in the garage. They got on the phone to me. I called the FBI spiritually. They got them, got uh, little Gavin to the hospital, and he needed surgery, and uh, they arrested Isaac. And uh, what happened was he was a little, maybe a teenager, couldn't stand the pain, so a friend one of my children named Victor went inside spiritually inside the little boy uh, Gavin's body and took all the pain and little Gavin was safe and then he came out of the hospital and Gavin's back in his body but he was afraid of the pain that he might have to they gave him medicine uh, to take for the pain there was surgery and stuff a lot of horrible abuse happened to his colon and stuff and his rectum. He didn't want to take the pain medication. He was afraid he'd get addicted and be right back on heroin. So I said, no problem. I'm going to show you something that happened to me, a powerful love that helped me. I'm going to take your infection and your pain that you're going to get from this. Somebody took my pain, my infection of what happened to me, took it to a cross, put it inside of himself, and he died with it. Now, because this man on the cross, Christ Jesus, it did not happen to him. It could not stay. I said, I'm going to show you the love of this person through what I'm going to do. So I prayed that the Father would put this infection that this young boy, Gavin, was to have on me. Now, I had not been raped with a steel rod. I was. That did not happen. I knew I would get the infection. It wouldn't last too long, and then it would be ended. But they would learn the power of love and how it bears other people's burdens and how it takes their pains and how this was done on the cross. So I got it. I forgot about it. So about two and a half months, I start having a, a colon infection, start having diverticulitis, but I don't know it. I end up in the hospital. Now got a pacemaker because this infection that I let go for two and a half months, I forgot that I had prayed this. It affected my heart and it wasn't beating very much, and I had a VTEC. The bottom part, all the blood was pumped out. So I got a pacemaker now, and it is a reminder that testimony for that young boy Gavin so I was willing to do powerful things to prove this love of this Christ Jesus and the power that he had on the cross and I was willing to lay down on the grenade for Gavin now Gavin's still in but he's different he's helping a lot of little kids him and Hans 
because they are defiled now. They are believers. Now they have a lot of multiple personalities and they're working like special ops people on the inside. They are still serving God even in that dark world. But what happens is the darkness had come. Hans and Gavin were born into it. They had no choice. They didn't know what their ancestors did. How many of us ever met Adam? None of us. We all lived in the... We were born into it. Our spirits were dropped right in the womb into it. The flesh was our master, our taskmaster. Our spirits were in, living in darkness. It was ruled by the kingdom of darkness. We all had demonic spirits. We needed deliverance. We needed a Hebrews 4.12... The veil of flesh had to be cut off, and it had to, the flesh had to take its role as a servant. It had to be controlled. The appetites, the taste buds, the eyesight, everything must come under the rulership of the spirit that's under the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of light. Takes a while to get there. And you'll meet a lot of Christians and believers who their soul is still ruling them. Because it hasn't died yet. It hasn't taken its rightful, submissive place as a servant. The spirit's not strong yet. It won't rise up and say, stop. You aren't going to eat that. You aren't going to look at that. You can't have that. That is not the rules of the kingdom we come from. The spirits are still weak. They haven't had a Hebrews 4.12. They don't have a mentor in their life. The pastors are preaching, but it doesn't seem to be working. They are more children, children of the flesh. They are still immature. They have not risen up and grown. So it takes a lot of work to get there. And I wanted to bring to you about this veil of flesh. How powerful it is. It's thick. It's gross. We need a spiritual circumcision of the spirit. And then the spirit must get strong, just like Neo. It must learn. It must have mentors. It must have experiences. It must learn to fight. And then it must put its flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, into submission. Now, I have to fight hard. Because I am a short person, so I have to watch the lust of the flesh. It wants to eat sugar and chocolate. Also, because I have a lot of revelation and light, I have to be careful that the pride of life does not step in. I have to be very careful with a lot of areas because I'll be held accountable. One of the great examples of this is Paul in the Bible. He got powerful spiritual revelations, but he had to have a thorn in the side because God told him that when you get powerful spiritual revelations of light, you are susceptible to being puffed up in pride like Lucifer was before he fell. And to keep you humble and dependent on the giver of the light... Paul had to have a thorn in the side. We don't know exactly what that was. But that's how serious it is. Paul needed to be used, but he was full of pride. You can read it in his writing. He'll get a big section. 
and it will have uh, powerful spiritual revelations. And then he slips in, I'm the worst of the sinners. No, he wasn't. And he gets into pride when he talks about women can't teach and can't do this and the church is that. He slips in and out of pride. In and out of spiritual revelations. But he was never to be our example to follow. Only Christ Jesus was to be the mind that we were to grow up into. Only Christ Jesus was the blueprint that we were to follow and listen to as far as the spiritual revelations. Paul got a lot. He saw a lot. He moved in the spirit. He went to the third heaven. But he also had pride. And he had to be had to keep that under control. So I told the Lord, please help me. I don't want no thorn. Whatever that was. So I have to battle pride. And I can't I have to be careful. I know it's there. Because spiritual revelations will bring pride to life. And then you get perverted. And then the violence inside of you starts towards God. Spiritual revelations are wonderful, but you must handle them carefully. I got after, here's another story, I got after a youth pastor. He used to have one of his assistants get up every Wednesday and say, Here's the greatest youth pastor of all. I had to talk to him through candy in the spirit. I said, Don't you ever do that again. You aren't the greatest of anything. There's only one great youth pastor, and that's Christ Jesus. Don't let your assistants call you that. That's pride. Because he accepted it. Because he wanted to believe that he was. So you have to be careful of what people say about you, what you receive. I can't stop anybody from saying anything about me. But I can correct him and I can say, I don't receive that. That's not the truth. I'm not the greatest. Most of us are still being mentored. We're not uh, released yet by the Father. But when you get like Paul and you are released like I am, pride is there. The veil of flesh could come. I still battle certain areas that I have to fight. But it's I had to tell you another story about my veil of flesh. It's called It's Time. This story goes like this. Uh, when I was born, my name was Deborah Chan. Now, I never went by Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-H. I went by Debbie, Deb. But in the fifth grade, when my family moved from Illinois to another military base, it was called Gunter Air Force Base, Montgomery, Alabama. I went to the elementary school called Dalreda. I walked in, I think, to the fifth grade class. There was a bunch of Debbies. So I said, oh, no, my name is Jan. My family changed. And then from then on till just probably maybe ten years ago, maybe more, I was Jan. Jan got married. Jan had a child. Jan did this. Jan did that. Well, then what happened? My father fell, broke his neck, and I have to manage his affairs. But my name I had to put out was Deborah Jan. So I started going by Deborah. And God said, you're in transition now. Jan must die. That was a part of the old flesh, the kingdom of darkness. You must become Deborah. That was my firstborn name. Deborah was a judge and a mighty prophetess. It took me two years to learn how to be Deborah. For Jan to fully die, that's the flesh, and that part of me, and go to the grave. Now, Satan wanted to get it back up all the time, and here's a story of how we would try to do that. I would be traveling up to Pittsburgh to see 
Jan's song. And I would hear this thought, why don't you get off the interstate in Montgomery, go to the house you lived in. And I go, now wait a minute. Deborah, it's a new creature, never grew up there. Deborah was never a part of that family. Deborah's never had sex. Deborah's never been married to the guy that Jan married. Jan. Deborah's never had children. Deborah never lived in that house. And if I get off the interstate, my own free will, and go and just drive around the neighborhood, I would, by my own free will, bring Jan back to life. Out of the grave. I said, no, thank you. Went on. I had many of those. I'd run into people that Jan knew. they say, don't I know you? I'd go, no, because Deborah did not know them. I had to look at my son and say, uh, Jan birthed you out of this body, but I, Deborah, have never had you. Would you like to be my spiritual child? He said, yes. I had to look at husband. I didn't talk to him and say, Jan married you, but I, Deborah, did not. I'm a child of light. I am not a male or a female. I am spiritually resurrected. My soul now is taking on that same identity, that new wine, that new wineskin. The flesh is dying, that old dark stuff. I would look at husband and say, I didn't marry you. I will honor Jan's vow, but spiritually I was different. I was a new creature in Christ now. I was a child of the light. I was a virgin in God's eyes. Never been married to anybody. Never had any children. All the experiences that Jan had had, all the hurt and the wounds, died and went to the grave. Jan had never had any of that. Jan didn't, excuse me, Deborah was never hurt. Jan didn't know any, excuse me, Deborah did not know any of these people that would run into him. Don't I know you? And I would see people from Jan's past, and I could have walked up and said, Hi, do you remember me? I would have been bringing Jan back to life in my soul. And then Jan's wounds, Jan's issues, Jan's flesh, Jan's hurt and abuse would, were powerful would open the door to demonics to come in and we would have major war in here and no peace so I couldn't even walk up to a person and say hey you remember me you lived across the street from me 25 years ago couldn't do that had a lady walk up to me she's dead now in Walmart said, don't I know you I knew who she was I had scoop Jan had scuba dived with her yeah Jan scuba dived flew airplanes been all down in the Caribbean, been all in Europe. I'm a traveling man, traveling person. And I said, no. And she said, what's your name? Deborah. And I said, what's hers? She said, Hazel. Said, well, you look awful familiar. If I had said, uh, my last name, or yeah, I knew you when, I would have, on my own free will, brought Jan back to life. Then that would open the door to Satan. Jan had been hurt and wounded, had issues, had marriage problems, all kinds of things. But Deborah had none of that. So I had to learn how to be a new creature. So when I minister with people now who've been sexually abused or had childhood trauma, and they're born again, I said, that person had died on the cross. 
Why are you still living out of that identity? Well, that had now become their wineskin. The flesh, the identity, even though they believed in Jesus, that was who they were. They weren't going to give that up because they didn't know who they were in Christ. They didn't know that they were a virgin. That they had had no sex. The soul was still, the flesh was still controlling them. And their emotions, their memories, their thoughts. Took me two years. And then when it was up, God said, you're done. I had to learn how to say, hi, I'm Deborah. A lot of people still call me Jan because I don't talk to them about it. And then the story goes. After that was over, it uh, called its time. It's all in there. I don't know if I got that up on the website or not. It's a long story. What happened was, I Jan had made a vow that she would die in a satanic meeting for one Satanist. So I'm up visiting Jan's son up in Pittsburgh. And I hear, it's time. I knew what that meant. Go to your bed, lay down, you're going to die. Because you took a vow. You said you would. So I said my prayers. I knew my son would find me in the morning. And I would just die of natural causes. So I said, yes, sir, I'm ready. He took my spirit, put me in a body in a satanic meeting somewhere on planet Earth. Satan was there himself. And he was bringing down the knife. And as the knife came down on this biological body, the blade started dissolving. And a voice came out. You cannot kill her. That is not Jan. Remember, I had been through a two-year transition. It was done. God said it was. You cannot kill her. That is not Jan. Jan died when she took the vow and said she would. This is Deborah. Cannot kill Deborah. She's a resurrected spiritual being made in my image and after my likeness. She's a child of the light. She is not Jan. I had some powerful experiences with the flesh, this new creature, spiritual circumcision, old wine skin, the flesh, old wine, the darkness and the lies and the conception, and a new wine skin called new creature in Christ with new wine and light. It's all in there. Excellent. So I hope you enjoy and you learn the power of the veil of darkness and why it must be circumcised off and why you need a new wineskin and you need new wine and your spirit must grow. Study Neo in the Matrix. Study Helen Keller, the miracle worker with Patty Duke and Bancroft. Study. The flesh is powerful and that's what most of us are dealing with. And we don't know that there's a spirit in there. Love always and forever, and this is another one of the tele-ministries. Hope to get it up as quick as I can. Come back again and learn. We'll keep going. Love always. Pastor Deb.